Welcome to The Deep Place on Creativity and Spirituality. Friends, you are listening to Season 3 of The Deep Place Podcast. And in this season, we are going on a journey, the creative journey. My name's Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, and let's go. The Deep Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen. As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land. And we thank Aunty Di Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. I cannot believe that we are up to the penultimate episode of our third season, but indeed we are. This is the second last episode of the Deep Place podcast season three, and what a season it has been. But we won't reflect on the season just yet. We have this interview for us today before our final episode uh, that will be released really soon. Um, This is is an interview that goes way back to like pre-pandemic days, I think it was. It was, or maybe it was in the middle of Panda, I don't know, it was a while ago that we did this interview with this wonderful, incredible woman named Leslie Worth. Uh, Now, just a few things as we get into this interview, two things, two kind of corrections to make. One is uh, we talk about the other stunning, incredible person that we got connected to each other through, who's Christina Kashtanova. Since that interview, Christina has come forth saying that uh, her, that their, sorry, and this is what I need, this is part of what I need to say here, is that their pronouns are they and their. That's happened since this interview. And so I just need to make that correction uh, as you're listening, um, that Christina is a they and their is what they would like to be known as, not she and her as we talk about Um, them in this podcast. Uh, The other correction just to make is that Leslie talks about her stuff being around the way of a woman uh, and connecting to her website, way of the the woman. That has also changed since then. Uh, It is leslieworth.com. Uh, leslieworth.com is where you'll be able to check out all of her stuff, Worth, W-I-R-T-H. But sit back and relax and listen to this interview. It's a really wonderful conversation, a lot about kind of those transcendent, almost unexplicable, inexplainable, unexplicable, I don't know how to say those words, some of those words combined. Uh, It's about those moments that we as creatives become vessels for the transcendent that wants to write through us. Literally, Leslie has these moments that are almost so in that kind of mystical transcendent thing um, that kind of the, it's those moments of the pen that the poetry just writes itself on the page. They are few and far between for me, but Leslie has tapped into this beautiful thing. And so she talks about that a lot. So if you are someone else who is wanting to open yourself up to that uh, that mystical, transcendent, poetic, creative flow stuff that we talk a lot about in this podcast as a whole, then this episode is for you. Enjoy. This is my interview with Leslie Worth from a few years ago. 
So welcome to the Deep Place podcast, Leslie. It is lovely to have you on here. How is it in, you're in like LA? Are you in LA? Where are you? San Diego. In San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. How is it in San Diego today? Cloudy and cold and rainy. That's not my perspective of San Diego. I know. I thought San Diego was like always sunshine. I know. It's it's a trick. <laughs> well, it is lovely to have you on our podcast. Um, I don't really know Leslie at all, so this is my chance to um, get to know some of your story and hear a little bit about you and what your life looks like. We connected through our mutual friend, Christina Kashtanova, who I need to have. I don't even know if that's how you say your last name. Do you know if that's how you say your last name? I don't name? either. <laughs> It sounds right well, Christina, to me. Christina, we love you anyway, Christina. <laughs> Even though we don't know how to say your name. <laughs> She's one of the most glorious people in the world, I think. What She's so wonderful. Big-hearted, incredible woman. Um, but enough about Christina. We're talking about you. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. What does your life look like um, these days? What are you doing? What's your creativity? What is, what's life in San Diego? Hmm. My creativity is my poetry. It's my writing, um, as you know. I think mm. to some degree, right? So yeah, it's been this expression of how I access and process my emotions along mm. with hearing my heart and my soul speak back to me and really been able to have this internal healing and dialogue. And wow. so it's this um, continued practice because we're always dealing with both of those, right? Yeah, so the listening inwards to your heart has happened through poetry? Yeah, actually, um, I would say it was 2016. I was pretty sick. I had, mm. you know, fancied myself this woman who had done all this internal work and <laughs> really um, not realizing that I had so much of my self worth like wrapped up in um, my ability to help other people and what I had overcome in my life in my mind. Right, this was all in the back of my mind, um, yeah. and then. I got sick and I was basically in bed for a year. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And through that process, I lost a lot of my self-identity and my self-esteem and my health and my finances and hope. And it was just, it was pretty rough. Um, and wow. no doctors could help, really. So I finally started to... Um, use prayer and dream and dialoguing with my body to access what is going on that I can't wrap my head around and no one else can seem to figure out. Hmm. And then through that process, um, a lot woke up in me and I started to go into these meditative states where I would be writing for two to three hours. Um, and it was so interesting, Joel, because what was coming out of me was poems. And I had never... Hmm thought of myself as a writer or like a poet, I would basically just go into these trances and look down at my paper and it was poem after poem after poem. It was amazing. Wow, that's amazing. That's yeah. like the creative dream that we could sit there and have these <laughs> trances and have like the divine flowing through our pen for hours and hours. That's amazing. It, it is and it's so interesting because, you know, I've been really passionate about like I want to teach what I 
call uh, poetry for healing, which is where you get to take the intensity mm. of your emotions. For me, I'm very emotional and very intense right. and feel things deeply. And I know I'm not alone with your listeners, right? I mean, yeah, this is like yeah. the artist to a T. And <laughs> so it's like, what am I going to do with this? I better make something. Yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah. but I'm like, how do I teach what I feel I'm the student of? How do I teach wow. when I get written to and am the student of what my poem is telling me who I am and so that I can look at that and heal and grow? Mm. The closest I could come is to help others learn how to hear. Huh. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How is it a listening? Do you, do you feel like it was a is it a listening to self? Is it a listening to the divine? Is it a lis what's the listening to? I think it's this wonderful paradox that um where the more we embrace the anger or whatever emotion that we don't really want to experience yeah. through giving that a voice, the um, highest part of our consciousness, whether you call that God or your soul or your intuition yeah. or the universe, also steps in, at least for me, and, yeah. and tells me like a higher narrative of how to work with that. And so I've accessed that part of my consciousness by being willing to dive into the shadows. Wow. If that makes sense. And that yeah, that totally makes sense. And that and that's what you were doing during that year of being sick and in bed. Yeah. I mean it came it came shortly after insofar as um, you know, I'm a huge advocate of prayer and I think that um, prayer is poetry to me. They're one and the same. You know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, prayer can be a lifestyle, it can be dancing, it can be formal prayer, it can be anything, but it's like our devotional heart pouring into something. Mm. And um, it becomes this sacred offering. And so through that process, there was a lot of prayer for me. Um, and I, one night I got in front of my altar and I was just, I'd had it. You know, I was like, I am so tired of carrying myself through everything, like, I want a man, damn it, you know? <laughs> and all of a yeah. sudden, I, I'm not kidding you, within a day, I met someone. Wow. And, yeah, and through that process, so much energy came back online. So I went from this, mm. like, severe depression, um, a lot of self-judgment, health crisis mode to the birds are chirping, I'm totally in love, and everything's amazing. And so I had to figure out a way to handle it all because wow. it was it was like, so I would sit with all these emotions that were coming up and, and almost like the fears that I had repressed for so many years were showing up um, really fast because it all was ready to move now, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I met that through this call to, to write but it was, again, it was never conscious. It was almost like when people say, oh, I, drive, I drove my car and then I woke up at the beach and I don't remember how I got there. That's how poetry started for me. It was like I was in a mood and the next thing I know, I have four pages of writing in front of me. Isn't that That's interesting? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, lo yeah, I love it because it is so, um, it's so different to the creative to so often how creativity works for creatives is like this hard slog of sitting there line by line <laughs> figuring this thing out but um yeah. how beautiful that your creativity started with this almost like um this honeymoon of like just 
download of beautiful words coming out during a time of pain is is quite stunning. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Do you have any of your poems from that year still? Yeah, I'm actually hoping to get published um, this year. And it's it's a book, an entire book of, you know, those of those poems. Yeah. Can you, I didn't even tell you that I'd asked you this, but can you, could you read one of those poems from that year to us? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Have you got any there? I do, of course. Yeah, I have to say, you know, it's amazing. And I know you can relate to this, but how... Mm things transform and so there's this this sacred poetry is what I call it because it was sacred to me right yeah. it was like my yeah. higher self came online and was like no 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 I know you think you're this this and this but this is who you are but the wow. guidance would come as a poem so and I have to tell you too the first time I recorded this poem I was in the fetal position inside of an armoire trying to record it to put it up on my website before I caught a flight to Hawaii. <laughs> I was getting extremely creative on how to get that done. <laughs> we are all being led back to our true origin, internal divinity, despite the judgments we are carrying. This process important far beyond how we measure things. Our destiny, our life experiences in totality, honoring them as sacred ceremony. Can you find the rhythm? There is a currency wanting to flow through me. I hear it, I see it, this expression necessary. I do not write to be good, I write to be free. A poetess dropping her debris, the words come through teaching me, elevating masks, dropping beauty surrounds me but I too am human. Contending with all the normal things, emotions getting the best of me, a mind relentless in its critiquing. Yet I choose to grow and believe, for it is here we learn to write and speak ourselves free, our own heartbeat leading the trajectory, healing how we perceive. It is so beautiful, so breathtaking, this creativity. A transformative gift, my soul, it speaks. This is the power. This is the meaning of what I call sacred poetry revealing. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I loved it. And, I mean, it totally sounds like you're, at least in, in that time then, and, my, and you can talk about what, what it is now, but it totally sounds like you're, Poetry is such a transcendent kind of mystical experience for you. It is. And I, I haven't publicly shared much, and I'm still trying to figure out in full transparency how much yeah. to share of my spiritual life. Yeah. Because yeah. I do have very mystical experiences yeah. um, that I've had to learn how to understand and make sense of. Yeah. And, and yeah. really, you know, they come through in almost these like sober shamanic experiences and I always joke with with my family because they they'll be like well, I don't know what do you see like they want me to give them some information and some insight and I'm like I just laugh because I I always say you know there's so much parading um, of spiritual gifts in the world mm. that's used to create a sense of spiritual ego and mm. I really don't want to be that person and yeah. I feel that they kind of like like the whole higher realms just 
that I also think lives within us. You learn to hear it in your own heart. But yeah. there's just this joke of like, she's going to need as much help as she can get. Let's give her as many intuitive <laughs> gifts as she can handle so she knows what to do down there. <laughs> so it's like, I really feel that it's just this guidance system that we all have. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. How And how did you learn to tap into that? Like if it's something that we all have, or what would you say to people who are like, I kind of get what you mean, but how the heck do I tap into that? Because I want to tap into that. What would you say? So um, I would say the first step, like from a really practical standpoint, is learning mm-hmm. how to hear. And the best way to start that is to hear your body. So mm-hmm. because our body is, it's a direct link to our subconscious and our and our like consciousness in general. So when I was going through these health crises, I would place my hands on different like organs because um, they, some of them weren't functioning properly. I mean, it was pretty severe. And so I would ask from a place of love in my heart, I'd bring my attention down into my heart instead of seeking an answer. So imagine if you're talking to another person and you are seeking an answer from them. You're waiting. You're, mm. you, do you know what I mean when you talk so you can reply? And then there's also times when you talk with people and you really want to deeply understand them and you're in such a yeah. receptive state. So that same level of receptivity towards your body taught me how to practice, how to hear what was stored in different parts of my body that were creating so many health problems. Wow. And that is like a really basic way to do mm. it. Mm. And then I've just trained with people. Yeah, yeah. I love that your creativity, like if your creativity begins with listening and listening actually begins with tapping into your physicality and that for you, like often we kind of, I don't know, we perceive our spirituality as being something other than our physicality, like transcending our physicality or something something like that. And so I love that, yours is so earthed like it's not this thing out there but it's actually listening to um your very physical sensual body and i think we have so in our society we have so disconnected us we're so disembodied we're so disconnected Mm -hmm. from our physicality um be it from I mean, all the different things that, that disconnect us from our physicality in terms of our world that says we're meant to look like this and none of us do really feel or look like that. So we purposefully disconnect ourselves from um, because we're ashamed of our body, all that kind of stuff, like all the mm-hmm. the disembodied reality that comes in. But I, um, it's such a beautiful thing that you're... Yeah, like your spirituality, your creativity begins in listening and your listening begins in actually tapping into your physical self is wonderful. Hmm, thank you. Yeah, it's it's a I had to learn and actually practice how to hear. And it came mm. through actually working with different healers who I think they would just basically say, what do you see and what do you hear? And it forced me to have mm. to find it and learn within myself. And so I think that that's another tip that I would offer people is to work with somebody if that's something you really want and you don't know how to do it work with somebody who does because they can bring you through a process where you learn how to hear yeah were you do you feel like you were disconnected from your body before the sickness is it the sickness that brought you back into your body or was that a was that a previous journey no absolutely I spent um, my childhood not even knowing that I had needs 
right? So yeah. that brought me into this very rigid control, masculine type of uh, like energetic was comfortable for me. I didn't exude masculine energy, but my mind frame was. It was, right. I didn't know how to hear when things were hurting. I just pushed through everything yeah, until wow. my body um, couldn't take it anymore. And that was a prayer before bed one night. I, I just was so exhausted from, from the whole experience that I said, okay, spirit, come in while I'm sleeping and tell me mm. the core issue that's causing all of this. I give up, I hand it over, which is another way to listen is to really surrender and become so small and humble mm. that you become the listener through your decision to be the humble listener. Mm. And so in my dream that night, I was shown um, Christ holding me above planet earth in mm. his arms. And mm. I understood that the core energetic issue is that I never felt held in the world. Mm. I never mm. felt safe. And it caused everything to go haywire. Mm. And so that just became the, the point of origin, like to heal and to move from there. I, I'm, I'm just thinking like for someone coming in and, and being like, yeah, I want to be a poet and I want to be a writer and I want to have these wonderful experiences to, to immediately say to them, well, first thing, tap into your body. Like it's such a, mm -hmm. it's such a, it, it feels like such a paradoxical thing um, because again, we think of poetry as this, um, as a cognitive thinking, as a coming out of your heart space, but you're saying actually the more we can tap into our body, the more we can tap into our creative selves. Yeah, I think that the body always tells the truth and the truth is what we're after when we're writing, mm. aren't we? Like we're, mm. we're we're going into deeper layers of truth. And so the body is this wonderful doorway. Mm. So for some of the stuff that you're saying, um, you... <laughs> You have said to me previously, in fact, just a little bit ago, you don't want to sound like an esoteric, what was your words? Esoteric. Asshole. <laughs> an esoteric asshole is what you said. Um, yeah. uh, how, do you, how do you take all, because some of this you could go, oh, I sound like such an esoteric asshole right now. How do you take <laughs> this and like ground it and really earth it so it's not just kind of a super spiro, something strange and out there. So for your, for your average Joe Blow who's sitting there going, I just yeah. want to write poetry, what, is, what does that look like? How do we bring this down? Yeah, good question. Um, mm. Well, I want to say that all of my poetry had that spiritual aspect to it, but what drove me forward was my very real grounded human shadowy experiences. And I don't say shadow yeah. as a um, negative it was my um, insecurities, my fears, my unworthiness or whatever I was going through that was being triggered. And so yeah. bringing those forward and writing with giving those a voice. So like, what would anger say? What is anger yeah. going to say? Not what does uh. Leslie say? What does anger yeah. have to say? And you give it full permission. And wow. Um, so that's another way of doing it because I don't think we have to, you know, yes, I have had my experience of that spiritual side meeting me, but that was just mm. my path. And there's a, I have poems yeah. where I'm, I am being kind of just a plain asshole, not a spiritual asshole. And I needed those poems, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, and so 
So yeah. you can create from your emotions. And I think our emotions are divine. We're so afraid mm. in our culture of those emotions that people deem negative when they're really um, invitations to explore what's happening inside of you. There's no need for judgment. Mm. It would, that would be a gr- fantastic challenge, actually, a, a little writing creative challenge for anyone listening who is like, I do want to begin to write out of this stuff, is to write from what, write out of anger. What is, how did you phrase that just before? What does anger have to say? What does anger have to say? I love that. What, is, what does shame have to say? What, is, what does guilt have to say? To write from that perspective, I think, is really, really fantastic. And I, and I love picking up, so the poem that you read before, mm-hmm. I love it within that poem, how you did, it was both, you could, you could see the wrestle. Like, that's what that poem was for me. You could see the wrestle between this beautiful, transcendent, I'm a vessel experiencing this thing flowing through me, and yet I'm face-to-face with myself, my critiquing asshole self that, that <laughs> wants to keep tear, tearing me down. Um, you, that poem played out that wrestle really well. I thought you, I thought you spoke to that beautifully in that poem. Um, talk, about, talk about that in your life. Do you feel that, that wrestle often between those two realities? Yes, and I so wish I could say I did not. It's like I, my ego mm. wants to be the person that is... Um, quote unquote beyond that, but that's part two of the mind's <laughs> sneaky little way of creating another issue when it's like, oh God, you're just human. Like get over yourself, you know? Yeah. And I do, I feel that a lot. I feel that um, a lot of my poetry is that that battle of I know from a soul perspective I'm pure and I'm innocent and I'm good. And, and I don't mean that from a religious standpoint. I mean that just like love, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I've had a lot of like an inner critic my entire life. And it's over the years, it lessens, right? But mm. it's this dialogue in almost all my poems that are like that. And it's, I think it's, the, it's like mm. bringing spiritual insight to the human condition without trying to change the human condition and recognizing that the divine lives within a lot of those places that we as humans dismiss as not being divine they're really the doorway to open our heart to ourself which what could be more divine than that can you open your heart to your anger Mm. that's freaking beautiful that's amazing that's divine to me and bloody hard as well (laughs) absolutely and hard to allow ourselves to isn't it to to face ourselves in uh, to face our hidden things, our shadow side, and and look look at it and say, I can accept you too. I can accept mm-hmm. you too, and and see you transformed within me. That's a hard process, eh? It takes a lot of courage. Yeah, yeah. A few words from our wonderful, wonderful sponsors like The Practice Co. Um, In in the writing about The Practice Co, uh, Liz Mullaney says this, you know, some of us call us progressive, others call us lost, others we're too conservative. We no longer fit, nor do we want to, into a box or under a certain label, and we don't think you should have to either. We're not here to tell you what to believe. We're retelling ancient and sacred stories and having conversations about them so that you can find your own story within them. Ah! 
go to thepracticeco.com and check them out. You would be insane not to follow someone who says that and to learn as much as you can from them. Thepracticeco.com, check them out. I've got to tell you, I've done heaps of theology study in my life. I did a, a bachelor's of theology and a master's of uh, vocational practice, which is a theology kind of focus. And I've done lots of study around spirituality, around God, around faith, around these ideas. And a lot of that stuff comes now into my thinking, because as you guys know, I'm pretty darn obsessed with creativity. A lot of that stuff comes into my thinking uh, around creativity. It really does. It influences uh, so much of how I live my life now. If you're someone who is like, I just, I need some kind of community, some kind of real deep reflective input in my life uh, around um, theology and thinking about God and life of the world, then one of the places you can do that is ACOM, the Australian College of Ministry. If you're from a Christian background and you want to do this, um, do some study, in, then go and have a look at acom.edu.au and I'm sure you will find some stuff there, especially within their spirituality units that you might just love. Tell us about your like creative style. Were you creative back as a kid? Um, was creativity was there? Was your spirituality there then? What give us some story from your life? I'd love to hear. Yeah, some. I was um, a tomboy. I think I figured. I swear to God, I think I figured out I was a girl when I was like seven. It finally dawned on me, <laughs> um, and so. Yeah. I spent almost all of my time like jumping off roofs and climbing trees and in and out of the ER and playing yeah. war and so that was me as yeah. a little girl. <laughs> um, and Great. yeah, and I did have that spiritual side to me always. I I remember staring out my bedroom window and looking up at the stars and and saying to God, "Where are you?" Like like this is weird here. I don't like it. Like I'm, what's going on? <laughs> like I felt totally disconnected. And so there was always that part of me yearning for that intimacy with like pure love. Mm. Mm. And um, yeah. And so I, I did write in my journal all the time in my diary all the time. And I, you know, I remember people would ask me, like, it seemed like all the other kids wanted to get married and buy a house and have babies. And I wanted to go to Africa and feed the starving children is what I told everyone. <laughs> so, yeah. And I would adopt, like, yeah. I would adopt children on TV at night when my parents were sleeping, you know, through like the Christian Children's Fund and get in so much trouble. <laughs> oh my God. That's I love that. I know. But it shows a very empathetic heart from a young age, hey? Yeah. Seeing the reality of the world and trying to do something about it so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember one of your first kind of spiritual experiences like you said you've had a number of them what was one of your first yeah ones? this is so hard I always feel like people ask me these questions and all the other guests say these really lighthearted things and I'm like well and then I almost died and then like it's like it's boom like these bombs I'm dropping all the time I, <laughs> I feel like I'm like That's okay. the, I like bombs the bombs brightest are... smiling depressing person that you've ever met um but <laughs> um yeah I would say that what comes to mind, because I have, I've always had this, you know, kind of more, well, not always, but I've had some mystical experiences. And the first one I had was I was in the hospital at 14, hooked up to machines, like I, was, I wasn't supposed to make it. And I was laying on the ground wow. in the fetal position. Yeah, I was severely, severely anorexic, very young. And yeah, right. um, I was 
in the fetal position on the ground crying. And I said, mm. I was just crying out. I said, I have nothing left. I can't do this. It's too hard. You know, I mean, being 14 and dealing with like mental, you know, not only are you fighting for your life, but you're trying to battle your mind. And it's, it's hard to do mm. at any time, but as an adolescent or a teenager, it's just, it was so hard. So I cried out and I just said, I have nothing left. I have nothing left. And instantly, because what what the vibration was inside of me at that moment was a complete letting go. It was a complete letting mm. go. I just surrendered. I just said, I, I'm done. I, the only way through this is if there's divine intervention. I can't anymore. And the room just filled with this peace and I felt warmth through my body and I felt the presence of, I just knew that there was like angels protecting me and I heard from the depths mm. of my heart, we've got you. Hmm. And I knew, and it was like my mind understood I didn't have to do anything but trust that. And it gave me the energetic faith to keep going and take everything step by step, and I made it through. Wow. Wow. Was the... Yeah, there's another bomb for you. <laughs> That's great. Was your eating disorder, was that... Did that continue on for a long time after that? Was that a, has that been a major part of your life and growing up as a teenager, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. And I still have food issues. I still do. And yeah, what's changed yeah. for me around it is this, it's a difficult conversation because I would never, ever advocate to anybody to be doing anything to harm themselves. And I don't want anybody to mm. take my words and use them as an excuse to do that. And so you have to have yeah. quite a bit of like maturity and, and self-honesty to know what's real for you. Yeah. But what I can say for me now is that I know that my soul's path for me, because so much of my life has been about learning my self-worth, is to love that part of me and not judge it and not focus on mm. it too much. It's like, oh, okay, I can have my shit and shine anyway. Oh, I have that wow. issue and I'm still important and I can still speak up and I can still facilitate and I still matter and I still can have a partner. And yeah. whether or not the behaviors there or not is secondary. Yeah. For somebody yeah. else's soul path, that might not be true. Yeah, yeah. But I think, but I love the the idea of that, whether it is with um, an eating disorder or something uh, else in our lives that we're really struggling with, to learn how to... Um, to learn how to befriend what we want to run away from uh, kind of takes the power off it, like lessens the, and maybe this is what, what happened for you, is that it lessened the power of the eating disorder upon you when you learnt to accept it as, I mean, yeah, it is, it's hard to say to accept as part of yourself, but that that compulsion was there to say, mm -hmm. I can... I can hold this and I can just continue, I can continue on with my life and grow and be, I'm still a full person though there is this thing that I want to shut in a, an, in a closet of shame. I can continue because we all have those things that we're mm. like, no, I need to, I need to closet my, I think there's a lot of closets in our world where we, where we think our thing so is many. too, too dark and twisty and so we shut it away. But um, mm -hmm. maybe... The way I wonder if the way forward is is allowing some light to come to it. Yeah, and I think that my biggest mission, on some level, is 
to bring courageous vulnerability into more of a mainstream approach to healing versus the traditional model of healing. And so when we tell our stories and we say the things that scare us, it gives any other person around us the permission to like take this big sigh of relief. And it's like, well, if she can love herself anyway, then so can I. And I'm going to go do that now. And that's how I can be the biggest contribution versus look at everything I've overcome. My life is perfect. And now I'm going to teach you how still creates a rigidity and a, um, a right and wrong and a polarity between healed and broken. And I don't believe in that. Mm. Does that make sense? I, again? Yeah, totally. And I, and I love it. Again, we're talking about holding together two different paradoxes, just like we were with the, the paradox of kind of um, being a vessel for the divine to flow through in our creativity, faced with all of our um, insecurities and critiquing measures and perfectionism in the creative world, but then in our everyday life, in the lifestyles that we live, in who we are, it's that paradox again of... Um, I have these fractures and I have these parts of my life, but I'm still full and embodied and worthwhile and whole. I'm broken, but I am whole at the same time. Like um, that for me is the beauty, like that's such a beautiful thing about humanity. That's the beauty of humanity that we can hold together the tensions, the paradoxes and be able to sit in them and say, I'm okay here. And this is, um, for me, this is what... um, this is what creativity allows us to do. And I think I've talked about on the Mm -hmm. podcast before this idea of holding together our aching pain and our delicious hope Um, Mm -hmm. that that when we ignore either one of those, I think we do detriment to our creativity, but we also do detriment to our lives and to our spirituality and to our physicality when we don't acknowledge both those things, the aching pain and the delicious hope. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And I Mm. think that what I'm hearing you say is just that, another way of putting that would be that two seemingly oppositional truths can coexist and they're both true. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. One of my friends often says she kind of, she's a youth worker and a social worker and that kind of thing. And one of the things she always says to her young people is, and tell me what else is true. Like when they're coming Mm. to her with, with all of their stuff of this, this, and tell me what else is true and tell me what else is true. And she keeps on going at it until they can come to that point of like, ah, actually, it's also true that I am courageous in this moment. It's also true that I'm mm. being brave in this moment. So often we kind mm. of fixate on those, those negative things. But to, to bring in the other paradoxical truth is, it's our way forward, isn't it? It's our way forward always. Absolutely. And I think too, one of the biggest things I've had to learn is that I can talk about these things and I can struggle with certain things and still be have access to an incredible amount of joy and lightheartedness and play Mm. and laughter. Mm. And that um, I was so afraid to talk about things for so long because I didn't want to get put in a box. And what I've found is that um, the more I've embraced those parts of me, the lighter I feel and the more playful and happy I am. Yeah. Because I'm not spending all this time trying to shove things to the side and it becomes heavy. And it's like, yeah, so that's a part of me anyway. Like, let's go do this. It's going to be amazing. Like, you know, it's just so much (laughs) easier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
I'm wondering about these days for you. We talked about um, previously in your life and that time of sickness. Um, what is your your creative process? What is what does that look like these days for you? Hmm. Do you still have these well, beautiful divine moments of flow, or is it much more sitting there slogging at it in the, through wet cement? <laughs> it would definitely not be the latter, um, just okay. because. That wouldn't feel creative to me. That would feel huh, yeah. forced. Um, but I am in a time of putting everything together. So it's like I've, I've had, yes, I still have those experiences, absolutely. But now I'm taking my years of writing and putting them into a book. And so I'm mm. in more of the like getting it out in the world mode. Yeah. And yep. doing, doing that whole song and dance of being an adult. <laughs> and is that a... Um the getting it out into that, because that's a very different mode, isn't it? Of like, it is. From creative flow to then um, getting our stuff together, compiling it, editing it, getting it out into the world is a really different um, mode of creativity, though it is still creativity. Is that, has that been easy for you to step into that or has that been hard? It's not my, um, it's not my gift. <laughs> Mm. Um, but it's, it's also exciting. That's the thing when you start to see it come into form and, and it's, it's exciting to see mm. the movement of, I th and I think anything that's created goes through this process of there's this almost like this direct creation that feels so amazing into, <gasps> can I share this out loud? And into yeah. like, okay, I did it. And that feels really good. And <gasps> I can do it again into then making it something really concrete that represents who you are and this is what you offer the world. This is like who you are in the world and what you stand for. Yeah. And so a lot of trust goes into that. Like um, this, this is almost my assignment here and I, I step into mm. it fully. Hmm. I love the idea that um, like because you are so, it sounds like, like you're so brilliant at creative flow but you're still willing to push yourself into where your skill doesn't lie and to bring mm -hmm. it together and put yourself out there. Um, like that's so often the challenge. Often I find people will either gravitate to one of those. Someone will be brilliant at creative flow and really struggle with the more logical and logistical parts of the creative life, but it's still part of the creative life. And someone will be like, um, I struggle with the creative flow and I get, and I, and I, force myself to do it and then thrives in terms of the editing and the bringing together and the, all that kind of stuff. Like it, it's just showing me what a wonderful thing that we all have these different focuses and strengths and focal points because then we can learn from each other. Like it shows us why we need each other. It shows us why we need to, mm -hmm. as a creative community, to help and stand alongside each other and say, this is what I can give you to bring your voice out into the world. That kind of idea is what I'm thinking about. I love that. I know when you were talking about it, I was like, I need a, I need a counterpart, right? It's like <laughs> we could support each other. Yeah, it's, it's important. Can you tell me about The Way of a Woman is your, is your thing? It's your focus? It's your website, thewayofawoman.com, is that right? Yes. Um, talk to us about The Way of a Woman. It was born out of that time period where 
you know, I learned how to access my intuition, where I learned how to listen to my body. And what I say is, is it's really finding your voice, which I know so many artists are doing. We just present it in mm-hmm. different ways. And um, it's it was the voice of my body, the voice of my, my pain, the voice of my empowerment. And it was this time of learning how to perceive everything differently and formulate it into an expression. And basically, my hope is to continue to teach women how to access their deepest Mm. truth and speak it and write it. Because I think when we can start by telling ourselves the truth and even writing that down, and then we put a voice behind it, by putting our voice behind it and saying it out Mm. loud, we have to be on our own team because we're saying this is who I am. And so the way of a woman was really the way that I learned how to become a woman, how to trust my body and my insights and my soul and my heart and to offer that up in a creative format. So through poetry, through telling um, storytelling and yeah, just different co-creative processes that I'm doing with other people to bring poetry for healing forward into the world where it can be of use. Yeah, nice. That's great. Would you bring your voice to uh, some more words again? Would you finish off? Is there, firstly, is there anything else you would love to say to, and maybe we'll, we'll finish off with the poem. Is there anything else, anything else you want to share with people? Yeah, actually, I do want to speak into something you were saying before related to the creative flow and listening. And I have definitely had times in my life where I felt like that's nice, but I can't do that. Or that's nice, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's not for me, whatever it is. So for anybody that might be feeling like that, what I will say is a lot of my capacities opened through going into such incredible pain that I had no choice but to open radically. So I offer that just, you know, not to be dramatic, but just to say, like, don't beat yourself up if that's not a part of your experience. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know that I would have picked this road. Yeah. (laughs) It's just what happened. So, um, and then you make art out of it. You make art out of your life. So, yeah. Any requests? Because I... (laughs) Something that... um something that feels like to you is an owning your voice is a this is me you're talking about that putting putting yourself out there into the world to say this is this is me um yeah so this poem it's called becoming um and whenever i've read it it feels like well there are there are women that come up to me and they say can you send Mm. that to me you're Mm. that's me and so i i feel that it's relevant Again, it's, it's this healing process, but I think it's, I'll just say that it came out of a, writing a journal entry to myself. I was writing and I recognized through that process that I was like, like really proud mm-hmm. of myself for an area that um, nobody else was recognizing. I see a woman who is becoming, a woman who is real, raw, unfiltered. I see a woman who carries the strength to feel and know when so often the world tells her she should be different, that she would be more valuable if she presented cool, calm, collected, 
I see a woman who feels she should be the wisdom keeper without wounds that pour over. I ask her to rise. I ask her to pardon the places she condemns inside. I ask her to stand and speak about new ways, a mirror for others to uncover their birthright lost in the collective haze. She leads in her own way, weaving authenticity through courageous vulnerability, naked. I see a woman who is allowed to rest, who does not have to do what she doesn't want to. To those who are listening, hear this through my own unfolding. Stop the game of desirable or not. Stop the parading and unwillingness to uncover blind spots. Stand tall. I see a woman who is brave, even if she is still learning how to do it, even if she is wavering in the wake of becoming. Her heart is big and it is forward. And that is what counts. That is what should be measured. So good. That's such a beautiful piece. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I mean, that really is exactly what you were talking about before in terms of owning who you are in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so often our relationships are this wonderful doorway to that. You know, I actually, that came from a conversation with a man who didn't want to be in a relationship with me. And I, knew in that moment I could pretend it didn't matter and like save face and show up with him in conversation in a way that protected my, my ego or I could show him my heart and I could say that I was disappointed and I was sad and I wanted it to be different and I wanted to understand why and like I just kept putting my heart out in this really vulnerable way and so I was seeing the beauty in that even though he wasn't receiving it and I was like, you know what, no. I'm doing an amazing thing here by being this courageous. And so really learning to be that advocate for self through the way we perceive how we show up versus focusing on how somebody else is responding. Yeah, yeah. I love that it was the, um, it was someone in some sense trying to take away who you are that reminded you who you were, that you could then grab a hold of that woman that you are and say, no, this is, this is the truth, this one. Uh-huh. And I love you for seeing that. <laughs> well, Leslie, it has been wonderful to have you here. I loved getting to chat through, um, especially how, how creativity and spirituality comes together. So much of this podcast is around that and you have beautifully articulated it from your own journey, um, how this comes together for you. And it's so inspirational for me to hear um, just that that beautiful because sometimes for me my own creative life can feel like the slog can feel like the hard work um, and mm. and I am someone who um, can struggle with that creative flow with a, with giving myself the enough space to um, to be that vessel and to have those mystical experiences in the midst of my own creativity. And so thank you for reminding me and calling me and so many of our listeners back to that place of listening to body, to physicality, mm. to spirituality, and that being our, our creative mm. practice. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My <laughs> pleasure. <laughs>